0: Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Happy
1: Wednesday, MMP fans. And yes, it is wedding week for us. Finally, we are so excited and thankful for all of the kind words we've been getting from fans. Because y'all have been on this journey with us for the past 15 months, and several of you asked, we will be sending out a link to all subscribers if you want to watch the ceremony. And seriously, if you want to give us a wedding gift, please subscribe to our newsletter by going to MurdochMurdersPodcast.com. Because we're taking it easy for the next couple weeks, Liz, Eric, and I got together to chat about the latest updates in this never-ending story that we've committed ourselves to covering. So here it goes. Russell Lafitte's criminal trial, the first criminal trial in all of the Murdoch cases, is just weeks away, and as we get closer to the November 7th date, things are getting really heated and surprisingly cutthroat, even for this case. So this week, Liz, Eric, and I talked about what went down last week in federal court when Palmetto State Bank made the very unusual move of intervening in the case in an effort to prevent Russell from using a secret recording that he says will prove that the board knew what he was doing. This is a big deal up until now palmetto state bank has maintained that russell acted alone particularly when he used the bank's money to pay pmped back for half of the 1.3 million dollars that elic allegedly stole from arthur badger so just when you think these cases couldn't get any more dramatic here we are so if you're russell let's just
2: put ourselves in his brain space for a second here a bank is an institution that takes money from other people and then lends it to other
3: people. No, they don't take money. They Sorry. they it, yeah. they they take custody and deposits they custody of people. and they're supposed to preserve it and watch it.
2: Okay, but then they loan it out to other people
3: right? at reasonable rates. Right.
2: Okay, so if you're Russell, if you're thinking, well, how is this different? We're taking in money from. Hannah Plyler, and I'm just loaning it out. That's what bankers do. We loan out money that we take in. Oh,
3: really? Well, it doesn't go through underwriting. It didn't go through a loan committee. Somebody has to determine whether the person who's borrowing the money is a credit risk, whether there should be adequate uh, collateral. I don't care that he's some high-fluting lawyer and he's well-respected and and his end-of-the-year income shows he's a million dollars. There isn't a loan committee that would have approved the loan to Alex Murdoch under those terms.
2: Why don't you talk just a little bit about the bank, because we were talking about that at one point. So the executive committee at Palmetto State Bank, I think it consists of five people. And so that is Charlie Lafitte, who's Russell Lafitte's father. Gray Lafitte, who is his sister. I think her last name's Henderson now. Uh, Russell, obviously. Uh, I think there's a civilian. He does not get a vote. And then I think- There's there's Lars
3: Lafitte, Jan Monikowski, and and Becky Lafitte, who is a wonderful, principled, Highly respected uh, attorney from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. She is gold.
2: So according to our sources, I think we can say that you have sources too, Eric. But according to our sources, the bank uh, board is rather split. And I think it was before the murders. It sounded like it anyway. That there was sort of um, Charlie Gray and Russell, their side. And then maybe Becky. The, The reason you have
3: a bank board is because a corporation is a separate individual under the law, and you have to operate that board and that company in accordance with corporate formalities. You have to have uh, meetings, Mm -hmm. full disclosure, and voting. Right. You have to be free from conflict of interest. And so if you have a board, and Russ and Charlie and his sister control. Okay. They still have to go through the motions to have a meeting and go through a vote that if you ever go to court, the court will say, under the business judgment rule, I will defer to the board. I'm not. The courts don't want to become part of a boardroom. Right. A judge doesn't want to have to go sit at the board table. As long as there's been full disclosure to a board, as long as there's been a vote and people voted in good faith, you can have a voting block. So Russ and Charlie and his sister always could outvote the other And this is
2: kinda Russell one of Russell's defenses, right? Is that we have a voting block and we that's why we didn't go to the board. Wrong. That's what he says though. You're right. Yeah. But that's wrong. No, I know it's wrong. But that's his defense.
3: <laughs> that's not a defense.
2: So what does a defense mean? Does it mean that you it, It's it,
3: he, he lost the defense of having a, a fully functioning board.
2: One of his excuses, then, what I'm saying. Right. Okay. So one of his excuses is that my sister and father and I represent a majority on the executive committee.
3: So why do we so have to go to the why board? why do
2: we have to meet? Why would I have to tell them anything? Uh, we're going to win that vote no matter what. And your response to that is what?
3: Now you're no longer a, a self... Uh, existing corporation, you're operating as your own individuality, and you lose the the benefit of a corporate shield. And a bank's veil get pierced. You, they, you, what what you always want is separation from an owner and the company. And you do that by following corporate formalities. Well, Russell just busted the wall and said. We don't even need to meet,
2: right? So he's not running these loans by the executive committee. He has said that you know he didn't. Nobody at the bank knew that he was taking out these loans or giving them to Alec. And he then says later that you know he what had a What do the you think, Jam Mounkowsky would have said
3: if they if he brought this loan before um, the board? I'm going to borrow two hundred fifty thousand dollars from Hannah Plyler, and I'm going to charge myself an interest rate of two and a half percent. Jan Mounkowsky is going to say hey, that's really not fair because I got a mortgage that we have from this bank and I'm paying 6.5%. So where the hell do you get off charging yourself to an ampersand?
2: Right, right.
3: It's not going to pass. Do you think
2: that's why he didn't say anything? Of course,
3: of course. And we'll be right back.
2: Want to temporarily restore definition in your jawline where it's been lost over time? With Juvederm Velux XC, you can get a non-surgical jawline treatment that adds volume for smooth contour and to reduce the appearance of jowls in one in-office treatment with little downtime. Juvederm Velux XC injectable gel is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. and specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people who had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Obviously, the September 6th hearing gave us a little bit of insight into Russ's position, which was that uh, the board was well, aware. and that R- course- Russ
3: walked both sides of the street at that hearing, Liz. What he said was the board was always aware. However, all I needed was Big Charlie's vote and my sister and couple that with my vote. Then I could do anything I want at the bank, which is a really, that is not true. Not at all true.
2: You can't just have like a kitchen meeting with your like a Sunday dinner meeting with your dad and your sister. No, you
3: you have to to have an independent board, a fully functioning independent board. You have to have notices of meeting. You have to have minutes typed up or minutes written up. And then when you've and then when you vote, you have to have what's known as resolutions and they become in writing. And there's a notebook that you can okay. go to. Where you would get all that, like the feds, when they come in to do spot checks on your bank, they say, give me all your resolutions, give me all your minutes, and you should be able to go to a drawer and just pull them out.
2: So how, who has a right to what goes on in those meetings? Like, I can't just walk in as a customer of Palmetto State Bank and say, show me your resolutions. No, you, right? do, not,
3: you, you do not have that right. Now, we would have that right if you were a customer and – they did something and cost you money, and you sued. Then through discovery, we would get all of that information.
2: Now speaking of discovery, so um, according to, uh, so this came out last week through Fitz News, um, which Mandy and I used to work for. And what was said was that there was going to be an emergency hearing uh, in the federal court, and it involved. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the report said, but. Uh, that hearing involved Palmetto State Bank, which this is a criminal case. Russell's, you know, charged with six counts uh, federally. And why would Palmetto State Bank be intervening? And as we found out in the uh, post and courier uh, the day after the hearing. So the hearing was held Thursday. Um, that was Thursday. Thursday. Okay. So the hearing was held late on Thursday and it wasn't posted publicly. It was – um I guess you know what Judge Gergel, who Judge Richard Gergel, who's the federal judge that's going to be overseeing. Great the case. judge,
3: he really is. No, 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 no. I I practiced against him early in my career before he became a judge, so he is as serious as it gets.
2: Well, that's good. So he was not going to have this hearing listed publicly, I guess, because which again is problematic because sure. the federal court doesn't allow recording, and so even though it's a public um, sphere, it's sort of already you know sort of shrouded. Uh, but he wasn't going to hold a public hearing because he said that there was some attorney-client privilege that might be um, violated there.
3: Yeah, this, this this takes more twists and turns than a Game of Thrones episode. How does the bank all of a sudden interject themselves in a criminal case involving Russ Lafitte? Reason, the reason is because somebody claimed that there was a discovery violation. Remember, in a criminal case... The discovery is more um, voluntary and it's proactive. So if the government has to turn over incriminating information under the Jenks Act and exculpatory, which means exonerating information to Russ, automatically under the Brady Act. And so they turned over information. Russ's lawyers must have found out through, obviously, Russ that there were recordings of these board meetings.
2: So the issue here is that Russ is maintaining that he had the board's uh, permission to do a couple of the things that he's now facing charges for. One of those would be um, he is accused of walking over a $680,000 check to PMPED to pay the bank's half of the one point three. $6 million that were stolen from Arthur Badger. Or from Don
3: Badger's money. death.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So that's a problem, right? Like, so basically it's not his money to spend. You don't just write a check out to PMPED. But it's not clear if that's what the issue is because the post carrier kind of hints at that because they talk about PMPED's involvement and that would be the one where there was. So the other bank and wire fraud and misapplication of bank fund charges involve, um, you know the loan the loans but the one that involves PMPD quite explicitly would be the $680,000 Yeah because
3: everybody PMPD realized that oh my goodness this money that is set aside for the badgers is gone how are we going to replenish this and somebody must have gone to the bank and said we're not going to spend 100% of our money replenishing that account you guys have culpability rush you have culpability for letting Alex do what he did and so Russ who probably doesn't have $680,000 liquid in his right hip pocket went to his dad and said, Look, I negotiated that we're going to have to put up 50% of this. So the issue then becomes, well, is the bank aware of this? And Russ claims that he did. Now, this is just a small charge of the many charges against Russ. Just because, just because the bank may have been aware, according to Russ, that they were going to give $680,000 to the law firm to make this account whole. That's not going to get him off.
2: No, but I think we're talking about two issues, right? We're talking about Russ's criminal case. And then there's also now the civil case. Like, oh, sure. The it helps, bank uh, h- helps the Plyler
3: girls in their civil case. helps Mark. Oh, it helps Mark Tinsley immensely in his Badger case.
2: Explain that. Well, Why? Mark
3: Tinsley has a case that he's suing over this money and the law firm... The Badger money, the law firm has indicated they don't want to pay him. And the bank responded uh, in their answer to Mark's lawsuit that they don't have any responsibility because they were unaware that this took place. If you want to get your money, look at...
2: Russ is a lone uh, gunman in that's yeah, right? Yeah, he's a
3: lone wolf. He's a, He went rogue. That's the term that the corporate boards use, that he went rogue. Uh, now, Ru- Russ... Russ is smarter than I thought because he brought he brought a little handheld tape recorder into these. Oh,
2: is that what happened?
3: I heard on the street that this was not a sanctioned uh, recording because boards don't like to record. That's why people take minutes. Listen to me. Listen to me. The reason that people have secretaries of a board are because you don't want to have too much information. TMI is no good. Because that shows that you knew more than you really should have. You just want to have a secretary that uses kind of buzzwords like um, talked about Alex Murdoch. That's a general term. You don't want to say, well, we talked about Alex Murdoch because he was a deadbeat.
2: Why would Russell have done that? So
3: Because Russell smelled a rat. Russell smelled that he was being pushed out in front of a bus that was going about 100 miles an hour by the bank, he said, they're going to sacrifice me to save the bank. Even Big Charlie is sacrificing me to save the bank. So Russell...
2: Mandy and I were talking about this earlier,
1: and he's not really a sac... Mandy, you tell. You say what I said he's not a sacrificial lamb. He's a sacrificial loser.
3: (laughs) He may be a sack. He may be a sack. It's a sack of what? I don't know. I can call him. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I can fill up that sack with a lot of... And lambs
1: not, are innocent. Yeah. And, and Russ what? isn't what? innocent in this. <laughs> and uh,
3: Is he the scapegoat? No, he is not the scapegoat. Nobody is putting all the sins on Russ. Remember, you got the ODC that is looking hard at PMPED and all the lawyers involved. And they're not telling us what they're doing. We also have the FDIC and the banking. We don't know what the banking department in Washington, D.C. is looking into this bank. There's so many different things that are taking place. It does appear, at least for the last month, that Russ is the guy in the spotlight. You haven't heard from Dick. You haven't heard anything on Alex. Nothing in that way. It's all on Russ.
2: So, okay, he brings, I did not know that he brought a recorder. How good's your source on that? Real good. When was that meeting? So I guess it would have been maybe around then, or like last fall, anyway. So after all the stuff started, yeah, it's kind of
3: like when it's kind of like when Russ decided he would pay his taxes. Like, yeah, of course I paid my taxes.
1: Suddenly,
0: I am-
3: I amended my tax return suddenly in twenty twenty. Listen, it hit the fan for the bank, yeah. the law firm, bankers, everybody in that area of the state after September third of twenty twenty one, and everybody said hey, man, I better get my house in order. But I think everybody got the message, oh my goodness, we better start looking at our files. Once Alex went down after Labor Day and then Mandy and I got on the horn and really started talking about the financial crimes, that's when people like uh, the law firm said, we better look into every single escrow account. That's when people like Chris Wilson said, hey, wait, I had some cases with Alex. I better be checking on that. And that's when Russ... Russ said, hey, you know what? I better amend my tax returns because, you know what? I don't think I reported all that income that I got.
2: Okay. So um, going back, because I wasn't sure when you said discovery violation, if you were talking about like if Russell was in possession of a recording that sort of shows that the board was aware of something – I was going to ask, like, how did the prosecution not have that, like, it, to give... Kim well, he Russ doesn't have an obligation
3: like, to turn over information. That's not Russ's okay, job. So
2: it's not something that Emily Limehouse could have gotten through subpoena or...
3: Well, she could have gotten it through subpoena to the bank if the bank had it. If this was a legitimate recording, if this, you know, if... if For some stupid reason, they had a lawyer that would tell them to record board meetings, which no lawyer would do. But if they did and there was a a drawer full of recordings, those would have to be turned over either in a grand jury subpoena or a subpoena during a pending case. So
2: uh, is Russell going to be – I mean, is that another thing he's going to be in trouble for? I know in South Carolina, it's a one-party state, but – you know, you guys as lawyers aren't allowed to secretly record people, right? You're not allowed to one-party um, consent.
3: No, no, lawyers aren't going to do it. So the question is, did he have a lawyer to time that they told him to do that? That would be a bad thing. A lawyer can't use, deputize somebody else to go record something that a lawyer couldn't do themselves. The problem is, do they have the whole tape? Does it give context to the situation? For instance, he may have discussed that we're paying $680,000 of our money to PMPED, but did he give all the background information so that they really understood it? Or did he kind of shade the reason why? So the question for Richard Gergel is, well, the bank's going to say, we had lawyers in that meeting and we talked. And so we have an attorney-client privilege with that board. However. The attorney-client privilege is not inviolate. It can be pierced, and it's pierced through fraud. So if a fraud was committed, then the attorney-client privilege can be invaded, but it would take a court order. The attorney-client privilege belongs to the client. The privilege belongs to the client. So the client is whom? The bank. And they have to agree to waive that privilege, and they are asserting their privilege With all arms around that tape saying, that's our privilege, can't be disclosed.
2: Now, why would they want to do that, maybe?
3: Because they're scared. They're scared. They're not so much concerned. They're scared of um, board members actually now being complicit. And is Emily Limehouse going to bring them before a grand jury? And are they going to be potential targets, just like Russ? Does this make Big Charlie now a real target? More importantly, I am going to name individual board members. Mark Tinsley's going to name individual board members in his Badger suit if we get that tape. Now I'm going to be Russ's lawyer. I'll sit where Barton Matter's sitting. And I'm going to say, hey, look, you're bringing criminal charges against this guy. You're saying he was rogue. His defense is I was authorized to do what I did. Remember, officers act on behalf of a board, they can't act. Unless they're in power. Could
2: the other charges could be affected too? Like, I mean, could we be seeing more than one charge being affected by whatever's on this recording?
3: You raise a really interesting thing because somebody doesn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to become a taper. They're usually a serial (laughs) taper. Listen, I've had taper cases in front of juries and they're icky. They look at them like, oh yeah, they look at them like the person... Really, you tape every conversation? Russ may be a serial taper. We don't know that. So maybe he does have tapes where he discusses. That's one letter
2: away from being very dangerous, a serial taper. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Right. Listen. Yeah, I know. It could be serial. I got it. But the the point is, I don't think he just said, geez, I'm going to tape on this. I think if he's a taper, he taped a lot of different things. He's no, you know what? He's no dummy. Um, I think he was dumb for testifying. I think he was dumb for testifying at a bond hearing on the merits of his criminal charges. And and no one really understands that. But people understand self-preservation. Even the dumbest of people understand self-preservation. And you start to feel like you're out on a branch. You start to protect CYA. You cover yourself. So do I think he's got a tape to exonerate him from every charge against him? No. And remember, there's no backstop here because he's got state criminal charges against him. Right. Russell is not going to uh, get off. It's just not going to happen. There's, he, he just, so do you think we're still going to see a trial? Let me tell you how sausage is made. Before a case goes to trial, a judge just doesn't walk in and say, hear ye, hear ye, the case is called. He meets with the attorneys and says, if it's a civil case can this thing settle? You know, are you willing to pay money or are you willing to take less money? If it's a criminal case, he says, have you all talked a plea? He may bring these parties in and say, you know, I've read the briefs on this taping subject and, you know, I'm inclined to give a ruling that I think both of you are going to be dissatisfied with. And it's my strong recommendation that decisions be made about having discussions to resolve this through plea. Now let me explain how it works. If a prosecutor offers a plea to a defendant and there's 20 charges and the prosecutor says I'll let you plead guilty to three charges the sentencing by the judge is usually a little lighter than what the book would say than what the statutes would say because you get credit for cooperating as a cooperating witness to say I'm pleading guilty and you offer some information that may be helpful and it's called a downward departure. So a sentence that ordinarily would be 15 years starts to go down to 10 years, starts to go down to five years. Because
2: he's risking a lot of years here by going to trial, right?
3: Right. Now, if a defendant turns down that plea and he says, I'm going to go roll the dice and he goes to the trial and he's found guilty, The judge then looks at the sentencing a completely different way and that you don't, he won't exercise his discretion in favor of the defendant. It starts to be a real strong sentence. So a sentence for a crime that he pleads guilty to that he may get a, a judge imposed sentence of three years on a plea if he's found guilty by a jury could get him 10.
1: And we'll be right back. Y'all, I am so excited to tell you about our new AquaTrue water purifier. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and we are enjoying the benefits every day. And you don't have to worry about PFAs or other harmful contaminants. Best of all, Our water tastes fantastic. It is even portable, making it perfect for renters or college dorms or even when embedded in a trial. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners, receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code COJ at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code COJ.
3: Again, I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this. I do not believe that Alex, Russ, and Corey, the Holy Trinity, are going to be the only, they're not celery, they're not uh, bell peppers, and they're not onion. They're not going to be the three, the only three that goes down, and everybody skates clear in the darkness. I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's going to be lawyers, judges, everybody's going to have to be accountable. I believe it. I believe it.
2: But,
1: that, I mean, that ju- brings
2: us to the PMPD question, which Mandy and I talk about a lot.
1: It's ju- Well, first of all, it's just taking a while. I mean, the fact that Russell is still, he's the only federal defendant in this entire. Yeah, but we already talked
3: about why Alex isn't a federal defendant. Alex isn't a federal defendant because Dick would plead him guilty and send him to go do his time up at the Goldsboro Federal Prison. Uh-uh.
1: One thing we should be clear about, I don't think anybody here is accusing anybody at PMPD of crimes. We do not for sure know that they... But all we right. want is clarity to, make, to ensure that they are investigating them thoroughly and to, right. to get answers as to... Because sign. We don't know. Uh, we of just course you know. want them
3: investigated. Russ on September 6th said it wasn't only Alex. Who were getting? Who was getting these favorable loans? There were other lawyers in the firm who got these favorable loans that they didn't have to repay monthly, like you, me, and uh, Mandy would do, Liz. They got to pay after they got their annual bonuses at their firm.
2: So it benefits PMP and the bank to um, have Russell sort of absorb a lot of this right now, right?
1: I think that's something that's going to be super interesting about this, though, because it's not a typical. Russell is not a typical employee at a bank that's like, oh, screw my company. They can all, it's his family. (laughs) And then. Yeah, he's turned into a whistleblower.
3: He's the Aaron Brockovich of Palmetto State Bank. He's a whistleblower. He's a whistleblower. But
1: like, but he it's gonna be it's, family. yeah, and it's gonna be interesting too when it comes down to if he points the finger at PMPD. Also, right? We can't pretend like all these people are intermingled and they're very tight knit in Hampton, right. and so this is not. This isn't a scenario where Russell could just be like, screw the corporation that I work for and all these other... Right. I mean... if he, he has does, then it's... a stake in the matter. He has a lot of stake in the matter. He has family stake and personal between PMPD. And, and the bank and the law firm seems like it goes back a very long time of right. this relationship. So it's and like mutual self-destruction or mutual benefit to...
3: I do want to say one thing. He's not Frank Pantangelo from The Godfather. Russell is supposed to take this like a man and go down. And not rat out a family member. Take it for the organization so that the organization stands. When a mafioso gets pinched, they do not squeal on their capo regime. They don't squeal on the organization. They say it was on me. Russell doesn't seem to be wearing the mafia hat. He's willing to take down the Citadel of Palmetto State Bank.
2: So, Mandy, I want to talk a little bit about that September scramble um, where last year it seems like all these key players, uh, like, you know, Eric had said earlier, suddenly are paying their taxes and, you know, uh, cleaning up their houses. And you were saying something about the murder. Like, so maybe June 7th should have been like the starting point for them or like why did they wait till the fall?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know through sources that. Alex's law partners did not believe he was innocent when the murders happened. Let's just put it like that. Of like the several, murders. Yes. several of them were very extremely skeptical Agreed. immediately. Yeah, and I have I have and had you have, the same experience. Uh, yeah. yeah um, they knew, but they didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah, and if you look back on PMPED's statements, like, after the murders, mm-hmm. they weren't, like, calling for justice. They weren't saying... This is so horrible for Alex. They were just kind of...
3: Holding their powder dry.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you would think at that time, it, a light bulb would go off in a lot of these guys' heads of being like, there's going to be a big investigation into everything in Alex Murdoch's life. Yeah.
3: Which means there's going to be a big investigation in our lives.
1: Yeah, the right. Murdoch Law Firm, literally. So that's what yeah, they're known for. You can't
3: as. separate Alex from. You the can't front
1: separate Alex from. And so I'm just surprised that the scramble didn't happen earlier.
2: So, Mandy, how do you think Judge Gergel should rule on uh, the motion to, I guess it's not really necessarily a motion, but uh, the admission of this recording, um, not knowing exactly what it says, it could result in a charge getting dropped or it could it, it, it definitely changes the game so how do you think he
1: should rule i think he should allow the recording i think i mean yeah um i think so too i think the thing that we're learning with all of this case is we need all of the pieces and the most yes. amount of sunlight and transparency absolutely um
3: you want to ask me
2: oh yeah Yeah, yes eric what would you
1: what would you do do?
3: are you asking eric the eric uh bland are you asking eric the lawyer
2: um I, i want let's start with eric the lawyer and then we'll ask eric Bland.
3: conditionally yes and i only say conditionally yes is if that is the entire tape if he only recorded what he wanted to record or he did what nixon did and erased 19 minutes of the tape and we don't know what's on that 19 minutes then I'm not going to let it in because you need context for it. So assuming this is a start to finish tape, absolutely. But if it's just uh, portions or, you know, I'm sure the government's going to get it and say, hey, this has been re-recorded or it's been uh, spliced, then it's a different story. So that's Eric, the lawyer. Eric Bland, let it in.
2: You know, where things stand right now, uh, Judge Gurgle has asked uh, for a transcript to be put together so they can determine which parts of the recording are attorney-client privilege. And I think that that's, we haven't heard, but I think we're going to hear this week about that. So it's possible before we publish this on Wednesday that we've heard the answer, but uh can't wait to hear it, honestly. And there's, it seems like we're in for another couple weeks of high drama until uh, that
1: November 7th date. Um...
3: Trial going forward, yes or no?
1: I think it is. I think it's full steam ahead, it seems like.
3: So you, you guys need to know that attorney-client privilege um, is an issue that can be appealed for an interlocutory appeal, which means immediate appeal to the Court of Appeals. But And the reason is because it's such a sacrosanct privilege that once you let the cat out of the bag, you can't put it back in. It's toothpaste out of the tube. Once it's squeezed out, you can't stuff it back in. So am I, I think there's now a less than 50% chance the, the trial will go forward.
2: Well, that's encouraging. I mean, I think it would be nice for everybody. But I also think that, to Mandy's point, a trial, uh, a lot would be coming out in that trial. So there is a benefit for a two-week trial. In this. Oh,
3: not only will a lot come out, but let's say there's a conviction. That will be a real uh, bellwether event for Corey Fleming. For Alex, for some other, you know, we don't know who received target letters, by the way. So there's tons of people out there that may have received target letters that we have no idea have received those yet. They haven't been leaked. So that would be a bellwether event for them to say, I need to cooperate. I need to be the first in. Remember, at that point, it's who's ever first in gets the best deal.
1: The Murdoch Murders Podcast is created by me, Mandy Matney, and my fiancé, David Moses. Our executive editor is Liz Farrell.
3: Produced by Luna Shark
0: Productions. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.